0: Uh kind of my plan of action here is I, I want to be respectful of the pulpit, but I also got a few things on my heart I wanted to share. Um, so I'm going to be speaking mainly out of Luke 4, if you've got a Bible, if you want to flip there, or on your, on your apps. How many got the Bible app? Nobody? Okay. That's good. So I want to talk about anointing and share a little bit of what's going on with uh, the ministry and my family. And uh, just to kind of set the atmosphere. this has really nothing to do with the message, but um, the Lord wouldn't let my wife and I sleep last night. So we just, we stayed up and prayed uh, the whole evening, basically. Uh, We may have got an hour or two of sleep. But I just... I want to make sure we understand like why we're here and I'm, I don't want to just go through the motions and have a message and learn something and go out the door. I want this to be a space where we're actually encountering the Holy Spirit. We're actually interacting with the living God who loves us a lot. Um, and as we were praying it, I felt like the Lord impressed this on my heart. So this is Psalm 24. Many of you are probably familiar with it. Uh, and either I'm missing it And this is for nobody, or just me, or uh, if nothing else, this is is still the word, so it's still useful, right? Uh, But um, this is the verse they put in my heart, Psalm 24. It says, The earth is the Lord's, and all that is in it, the world and all those who live in it. He has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts. Those who do not lift up their souls to what is false or idols, who do not swear deceitfully, they will receive a blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of God of Jacob. Lift up your head, O gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Uh, So that's the scripture. Uh, Sort of the picture that the Lord put on my heart or my mind, or maybe I was just super tired from it being 4 a.m., is like a fortress, like the old school fortresses, you know, like made of stone and brick and stuff, and uh, a wooden gate, a wooden door. And sort of the idea is there's a a stone or a rock that's putting pressure from the outside of the door, and the people inside are scared or terrified or they don't want this door to open up. Uh, Do you get kind of the picture I'm talking about? So they're they're trying to prop up the door with these sticks, but there's a heavy pressure pushing against the door that you don't want, we don't want to have come in. And as you kind of... Take a step back and look at scene. the scene. The, the rock is actually like a mountain. <laughs> it's huge. And it, the weight is the glory of the Lord. The weight is his glory. It's his presence. And for whatever reason, we want to, I'm guilty of this too, I want to stay in what's comfortable. I want to stay in what's known. And it's fearful to open up the gates and let the king of glory enter in. It's scary. But who can ascend the hill of the Lord? That's what we want. That's why we're here. We want to ascend the hill of the Lord. We want to be in his presence. And it's not about fighting to attain territory or fighting to attain this or that. It's about repentance. Who can ascend the hill? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. How do I clean my hands? Not through ritual sacrifice, not through praying 15 hours a day. It's through being honest with who God is and who I am in his presence. That's how I clean my hands. That's how I purify my heart. And I think the scripture is pretty consistent that if I confess my sin, He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Uh, and if I walk in the light of the light, I have fellowship with Him and with you. So I don't know if that's for anyone in particular. Maybe it's just for me. But if there's things in our life that we're we're growing comfortable with, where we are scared or terrified of opening the door and allowing the King of Glory to enter in, uh, don't be afraid. Interact with him. Be honest with him. Tell him that you're afraid. Tell him that you're scared. Tell him that uh, it doesn't make sense. Or just be honest. Dialogue with him. And uh, do you have something to add, honey? Okay. Am I saying this right? Okay. Cool. Um, so that, that that's just what the Lord put on my heart. I hope that um, speaks to me more than just me. Okay? Uh, but Luke 4... Uh, verse 18, I want to talk about the anointing and what that means and where it comes from and, and all that good stuff. Uh, has everybody got it? All that wants to have it, i will have it, okay. Uh, it says this, this is Jesus, and uh, to set the stage, he was just baptized by John in the Jordan, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. So the Holy Spirit's cloaking him, filling him, and immediately he goes into the desert for 40 days, You remember this story, to be tempted by the devil. And now he comes back, and it says that Jesus is full of the Spirit's power. So it says in verse 16, actually, when he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. He stood up and read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled it, found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed grow free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That sounds pretty good, I think. Okay. Uh, So typically in Christian circles, when people talk about the anointing or that person was anointed or that service was anointed, what we're talking about is God's presence was there in a tangible way and it was ministering to me. It was setting things free or correcting things in my spirit that were off or wrong, and it's bringing things back into alignment with who God is. Would you sort of agree with my premise there? Okay? So, we all would kind of say, I think, that we want anointing. We want the anointing in our life. We want the presence of God in our life. We want a right relationship with him, or we wouldn't be here. We're at least thinking about it. And... Uh, I want to talk about the anointing process, and some of you maybe know more of this than I do, um, but what it would take to receive anointing in kind of the Old Testament times, uh, biblical times. Um, So if you think back through the Old Testament, you got kings of old like David and Jehu and these people that would uh, actually have anointing from olive oil being poured on their head, and that's a symbol of their authority or their kingship. Uh, another way it's used in biblical times is for healing oil, like a medicine. So they'd apply it maybe as a salve or something. So uh, anointing is a symbol of God's authority, God's power. It's also um, apl- applied for healing. Okay? Um, <clears throat> so typically, when we're saying someone is anointed, we're saying that this person is marked by signs and wonders or extreme understanding gifts. In a certain area, so Jesus is the anointed one. The Messiah means he is the anointed one. He's the living son of of God, and he is the anointed one. And our desire as Christians, as little Christ, is to partner with the anointed one. Not that we necessarily become anointed per se, but we're joined and linked up with Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, so that his blessing, his fruit, his power, his authority, his kingdom would be applied through our spirit to the world around us. What we want is to be abiding in Jesus. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit, and that fruit would remain. Things that you do without abiding in him, you're not guaranteed that that would produce fruit, and if you do produce fruit, you're not guaranteed it would remain. So the only way that we know that we're going to have anointing or we're going to bear fruit or we're going to bring healing or deliverance for somebody is to be in union, abiding, John 15, with Jesus. Would you agree? All right. So Jesus, the anointed one, when he shows up on the scene, uh, he would have strange things happen that we're maybe not used to seeing in our culture where he would say, hey, reach out your hand, and it would become whole. Uh, He would put spit on people's eyes, and they would see. He would say, your sins are forgiven, and people would stand up. Um, so, I'm not operating in that level of, you know, I'm not going to call anyone out today and have you dance around or anything like that. Okay? Um, but I believe that it's possible, and I believe that Jesus is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. And so, um, when we talk about the anointing, um, I want to kind of just bring it back to the olive grove or olive tree references. Uh, so there was some other slides, I don't know if you can bring up, that might be helpful just for context. In the old days, and again, I'm not a farmer, so you have to kind of take my word for it, and I'm taking the internet's word for it. So, um, but if you want to have olive oil, think of the process that you would have to go through. Uh, first, you'd have to plant some olive trees, and you'd have to spend some time waiting for those trees to produce fruit. So 3, 12, 20 years, whatever it takes, you're not going to get instant fruit right away. Uh, when the tree begins to produce fruit, what you would do is beat the fruit with a stick. It would drop to the ground. You'd collect it into a basket. You'd bring that basket to a mill, so that top picture there. You would dump the olives into this thing, and you would just crush them with a big millstone, and you would just completely annihilate them. And that's producing the oil that you would use. Okay? And then a second step is you would uh, take the basket over there, and there's this huge press, and there's a second slide, if you won't, don't mind showing that, um, where there would be a system of weights and counterweights where this weight would pull down on the basket and basically crush and smush all the juices from the olive, into this vat or bin around it. So when you think about the process of creating the oil that's used for anointing, what we're saying is basically you're going to get beaten, you're going to get bruised, you're going to get crushed, you're going to become annihilated. (laughs) Does that sound fun? Okay? And it's really no different in the Christian life. What we're saying is, God, I want to be with you. I want to bear fruit for your kingdom. And we're not even saying that necessarily from a fleshly desire. He gives us the, the words to say to him, God, I love you. God, I want to be with you. God, I want to bear fruit for your kingdom. He gives us those words, and he gives us those desires, and now he's going to start putting us through this process where we're going to get beaten. Uh, you know, you think of yourself as like maybe this olive tree that just finally grew to maturity, and you're starting to see signs of fruit. And he could say, Awesome! I've got some olives now on my branches. I'm finally the thing I was made to be. I'm finally doing what I was created for, right? And then somebody comes along and starts beating you with a stick, and all the fruit that you were created for starts dropping to the ground. Everything that you've worked so hard for, you've strained for the last 12 years to produce this olive, and someone just carelessly knocks it to the ground. What a jerk, right? And then they collect your fruit, your precious fruit, the thing that you worked so hard to attain, and they throw it in a basket and they crush the heck out of it. I wanted to say the other word, but it's church. They crush it. They annihilate it. Okay. So all of your fruit, all of your production, the thing that you were made for is going to waste. It's just being pummeled and it's turning into something else. And that something else Eventually, before you know it, pr- starts to provide authority. It starts to provide healing. It starts to provide deliverance for other people. So this is called perseverance. And it's really the only path that I know of to true anointing and true deliverance in the kingdom of God is remaining. You have to learn to remain under that thing that's pushing you down and crucifying you. It's at the cross is where we, where we get to meet Jesus and we start to identify with his, with his pain and his power. Uh, so I'm going to flip around a little bit. Uh, one of the things that I would look at is, so we get Jesus here at the front end saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he's anointed me. If we go to Matthew 26, I believe it is, I didn't write it down, I didn't take good notes. Matthew 26. Yeah, verse 36 to 46. So kind of the front end, we've got the, the spirit anointing Jesus. We fast forward a few years to this verse right here. In the middle, he's got all this wonderful fruit. Think of it like those olives that would be fun things to look at. So at the front end, he's tempted in the wilderness. Now at the back end, he's going to the cross. And this is kind of his his final prayer in Gethsemane, which is an olive grove. So they were likely staying in a place that had the same symbolism you saw there. There was likely an olive press where the disciples were probably sleeping, uh, where they were collecting olives and making it into olive oil. And so with that scenery all around him, he says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Has anyone ever been grieved or agitated? So when we're grieved or agitated, it's important to pause and just think about why am I... What am I grieved about? Why am I agitated with this? What, is, what human ambition is trying to be accomplished right now that is being frustrated? Where is my will meeting a will of someone bigger than me? And who do I want to win? Does that make sense? So it's that, that press that coming against you. He said, I'm deeply grieved even to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed. You get the picture? He's like, he's in agony. He knows what he has to do, but he doesn't want to do it. My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. He came to his disciples, found them sleeping. He said to Peter, couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so you do not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> Sorry, I got a cold. Again, he went away for a second time and prayed, Father, if this cannot be, pass unless I drink it, your will be done. He came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. He came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hours at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of the sinners. Get up, let us get going. Betrayers at hand so he's praying in olive grove uh, three times he prays God I don't want to do this but if this is the way that you want help me basically that's my paraphrase I don't, God I don't want to go through what I'm going through but I trust you God I don't want to step through this I don't want to take another step I want it to stop I want to exit. I want to turn around. I want to pull the parachute. I want this to be over. But not my will, but yours. So it's that tenacity and surrender of the Holy Spirit where we're saying with Jesus, with Peter, with Paul, with all the forerunners of our faith, we're saying, God, I love you. Not my will, but your will be done. Amen? Okay. Um, Just to add some more context to this, can we flip to Philippians 3, please? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. It's one of my favorite passages. It's Paul. And Philippians 3 is him basically writing all the things that he used to be that would have made him righteous in God's sight. So he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He learned under this dude. Uh, He basically knew the Bible backwards, forwards, inside out. Um, And he was raised in a mindset where that stuff was really important and sort of the way to God. It was a religious mindset that said, if I learn, study, grow, exercise my, my faith or spirituality or my religion enough, I will become close enough to God uh, to maybe teach others or, or whatever. Okay? Uh, contrast that with Jesus, who was sort of persecuted by these people for not washing his hands or rubbing grains on the Sabbath. Uh, Jesus understood that it's the inside of the cup that matters, not the outside. It's what's going on in your heart and in your spirit and in your mind um, that, that makes you clean, not what you perform on the outside. So in Philippians 3, 7-11, Paul says, Whatever gains I had, so all those religious things, I've come to regard as a loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as a loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things. I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering by becoming like him in his death, if somehow, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So here he's saying, uh, verse 10 in particular, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, In the sharing of his suffering, becoming like him in his death. A lot of us would identify with that first part, the anointing part. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to walk in a room and have demons fall on the ground and leave. I want to see people that haven't known him before, have been deceived, come to know him. I want to see people where Satan has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. I want to see the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light Come in and just sort of like explode and demolish, and that 's one of the works of Jesus actually is to destroy the work of the devil. I want to see that in living action. I want to walk that out, and at eight ten in the north minneapolis we 've seen some of that we 've seen where people come and just by passing through, they would stop on the lawn and start weeping, breaking down, crying, and repenting we 've seen where um, demons would actually leave a person i 've seen that. <laughs> We've seen where people would testify that they've had crushing power, you know, strain on their brain, and it gets unwrapped and thrown away. I've seen that. I've seen the anointing of Jesus, and I've seen the power of His name and the ability to cast out demons and take authority over a situation. There was, you know, one time there was a a public square meeting. This was after a, a, a police killed somebody, and so there was a big uproar in the community. And the city council member was literally shouting over the microphone and stomping his foot, Shut up, shut up, shut up, sit down. It was contentious. (laughs) I don't know how, but somehow he handed me the microphone and I was able to pray in the room. The atmosphere changed. The presence of God is real, it's not just a fairy tale or died, punch your ticket, go to heaven, something. It's real. He's alive and He lives inside of us. We're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. The same power that raised him, the same anointing that raised him that abides in us and it guides us into truth. But we get so frenetic in our pacing and we get so reliant on our flesh that we forget about what it takes to get the anointing and the actual power. It takes sitting, resting, quieting yourself and allowing your ambition to be crushed. So at the end of all that olive oil stuff, there's this, I forget the name of it, I should have written it down. But there's this film that's left that stinks. It's gross. And there's a few basic uses for it. One is you can use it to like harden your table like a resin or throw it away for fertilizer. That's basically it. So after the anointing is poured out, after the olive oil is, is extracted, what's left is dirty trash. And that's, I think, basically what Paul is saying here. I count all my fleshly works everything that I used to rely on, the beautiful fruit that I wanted to preserve and show everybody, I'm now counting it as garbage. That I may know him. To know him is eternal life. Not what you do, but who you know and who you become in his presence. When you allow yourself to sit under the pressure and the weight of the glory of Jesus Christ, you are yielding to conforming into his image. If you scoot out and escape, if you think about yourself being crushed by that olive press, if I say, that's enough, and I scoot out, the measure that I scoot out is the measure that I've been conformed. Now I'm, now I'm going to regress back to my own image, my own ways, my own thoughts, my own ambitions, my own direction. But if we remain where he's placed us, if we let the crushing finish its course, we're going to have anointing that flows from that. And that anointing will bring healing to others around you. It's not just for yourself. It's for your family. It's for your community. It's for people that don't know him yet. And this is a cause, this is why Paul would say, rejoice in your suffering. Rejoice when you're being pruned. Rejoice when you're being crushed. Even if you're pressed, you're not crushed. Even if you're persecuted, you're not abandoned. Can anything in all creation separate you from the fact that God loves you? Angels, demons, present, future, anything? No. So if you're going through some tough stuff, it does not mean that God doesn't love you. It might mean, in fact, that he loves you a lot, so much that he wants to push your gross crap out of your body and conform you into his image and have the fragrance and the aroma of Jesus follow you wherever you go. Maya and I were at Walmart last night buying toothbrushes. This is how chaotic our life has been lately. We forgot toothbrushes. (laughs) And uh, what was his name? Thomas. So we had Thomas in the checkout line. We just started a conversation. And he uh, was getting donuts and cigarettes. That's like he had 12 bucks left, and that's what he wanted. (laughs) Okay? Can't blame the guy. Uh, But just in trying to, we, we... Offered to pay for his stuff. He let us do that. And then we talked to him some more. And um, come to find out, like, he's, he's got no place to stay. So you guys gave us an extra room. We offered an extra room. Maya tried to offer him, you know, some cash that we had on our pocket. Um, but he, he wouldn't take it. Do you understand what I'm getting at? He wouldn't receive it. And there's, there's issues of pride and self-reliance in all of us that can hold us back from receiving the anointing of God. When you're getting crushed, when you're getting persecuted, when you're getting pushed down, one reaction is to say, well, I can handle it. I'm going to get through this. And you, and you sort of dig down and you plant your roots in your flesh and you push back against whatever is coming against you. Maybe that's not the best way. Maybe it's okay to receive the help of the Holy Spirit and just begin an honest dialogue. God, I, I, I don't know what the heck is going on. This doesn't make any sense to me. I'm confused and I don't even want to pray to you. What's the point? I've served you X amount of years and this is the thanks you give me? Well, I've had enough. Anyone ever thought that? I've been there. I've been there a lot lately. (laughs) Okay? But God is so gracious. He's so kind. He's so patient. He's so compassionate. He's full of unending mercy. He will guide us through those circumstances if we choose to remain, if we choose to keep up the dialogue with Him. So Paul says it, Jesus says it, uh, and then final story here in Acts 16. And then uh, I think you guys usually end around 11. Is that right, Mike? 11. Okay. So this will be the last one. This is my next favorite story. So it's uh, Acts 16. The whole story is 16 through 40. I'll just kind of summarize most of it. And just read a little bit from... uh, I'll start at verse 25. So... Here's the issue. Paul and Silas were on a missions trip. There was this demonized girl that could tell the future. She was bothering them. Uh, Paul commanded the demon to come out. It did. So there's that anointing, the power of God. And then, as thanks or reward, they're captured, beaten, and thrown in prison. Right? And when we think of prison, it's not like a jail that you would go into today where it's, you know, you got four walls, a bed, and a toilet, it's pretty gross. A lot of times it was just like a hole in the dirt, right? So it's not nice. Um, so here it says, about midnight, so they are just got the crap beat out of them. They're thrown in jail. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening. So again, what you're going through, you're not going through it alone. There's people watching you. There's people in community with you that are paying attention to how you respond. Your kids are paying attention to how you respond. So they're listening. Suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. the jailer woke up, saw the prison doors wide open. He drew his sword to kill himself since he supposed the prisoners escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And then his whole family gets saved. Right? So what if Paul and Silas took the attitude, God? Really? I throw out a demon, I'm preaching the good news, I'm going where I don't even have a bed, I don't even have a home. Really? Really? I get beat up and thrown in jail, really? Right? What if they had taken that attitude? We wouldn't have had this story. Right? There's, there's people that, that need the kingdom of God to, to be preached to them. And often that's not going to come just by rote words or rote speech. If you've ever done outreach, you can do it from an attitude of just, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to. And I've done that a lot in my early Christian years, and it didn't really produce much fruit, and it kind of stunk. It wasn't very much fun for me. It wasn't fun for the people I was talking to. It wasn't fun for anybody. But if you allow yourself to be pressed in the presence of God, if you allow the weight and the glory and the presence of Jesus to press you, to start conforming you into his image, to remove your fleshly and human ambition from you, what you'll see is you you actually start to have love for God and for other people pour out of you. Where you were angry before, you're not. You're sympathetic. You're empathetic. You're full of grace and mercy and truth. You're starting to act like Jesus, not because you tried harder. If you could do it in your own effort, you could get credit for it, and we wouldn't have to be here. Mike could write a book, and we could all read it and go home. Okay? But we can't do it. I can't change my heart. What I can do is position myself to remain under his word, in his spirit, and in his guidance and trust that he will guide me through every circumstance of life to be conformed into his image, to bear whatever fruit he wants me to bear, whatever that looks like. So for our family, we're, we're going through a, a difficult time. Um, I'm not sure how much, if any, Mike shared with anybody, but uh, my father, basically about the same time we entered into ministry, so about four years ago, uh, was diagnosed with a form of cancer called multiple myeloma. You never hear this? Right, it's cancer of the blood. So what it does is it uh, decreases bone marrow and bone density, and there's no real cure for it. It's just uh, you try to maintain life as good as possible. Your bones become brittle. So he was diagnosed some time ago, and uh, last month he took a fall and broke a bunch of stuff inside of his body. Um, so as a family, uh, we've made the decision to take a step back from ministry for a little bit to be closer in ministering to my father and just helping him with his property needs and daily needs. Um, so ministry-wise, we've got a ministry that we like, <laughs> we love, we've built. It was nothing before, and now it's something. And we feel like God is asking us to take a step back away from it for a little while. Um, to minister to my dad, and that hurts <laughs> a lot. And so I've gone through the last month. I've gone through kind of the cycles of rejection and grief, anger, uh, resentment, rejection. Um, and so there's there's been times in that. Even a couple weeks ago, I was splitting wood for my dad, and just really angry. So I was really splitting wood, you know, just thinking about stuff. And um, that verse popped into my heart. You know, many will say to me, "Lord, Lord." I did this and this and this, and he'll just say, I don't know you. So it gets to the point, too, where when we choose our own way, we're choosing to turn away from our relationship with Jesus. Um, so I, I really feel like this is something that the Lord is asking us to do, and I don't understand it, uh, but I want to be obedient to it. So uh, we'll be relying on partners and friends to kind of run some of the day-to-day things at 810. Um, but our home base will be in Warroad, Minnesota. Anyone here in that town? All right, it's remote, so uh, no Walmart close by to there. Uh, but that's where we'll be for the next season. I don't know how long that season is even, but we'll be there for a bit. Um, so when I'm speaking these things, I'm basically just preaching to myself. <laughs> um, maybe it'll minister to some of you as well. But I've been feeling that weight and that crushing and that, that, that hope of expectation where you start, you don't even realize it necessarily, but you start to put your hope and expectation in outward signs and outward you know, manifestations of things that you've been working for. Um, and I, I want to make sure that I'm, myself, my wife, our family, is, is being ministered to by the Holy Spirit, where we're, our ministry is to him first. Um, and whatever he says to do is what we're going to do. So um, hopefully you guys all understand that. We want to make sure that you understand how much we appreciate you! Um, you guys have really this church has honestly kept us afloat for the last three years. Um, we wouldn't be able to, and I'm not saying this like because I'm supposed to. We wouldn't be able to do the things we've done the last few years without your help and support. Um, so thank you. James, uh, one four, just says in closing here. Oh, I'll start at two, I guess. Brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let the endurance have its full effect, so you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. So that's our prayer for you guys, that you be full, mature, complete, lacking nothing. Uh, Mike, I don't know how you want to proceed from here. I can pray and... All right, perfect. Well, Lord, I just thank you for uh, Victory Church in Ballatin. Um Thank you for the seed of the gospel that they've, they've spread, even in North Minneapolis, Lord. I know other places too. But um, Just thank you, God, for every seed that's been planted over the last few years. Ask that it would continue to grow. Pray that the harvest would multiply. We know that um, a farmer <laughs> plants the seed and goes to bed and uh, he turns around and there's a big harvest there. So you're the Lord of the harvest. Continue to make it grow, God. Uh, Just ask that you bless this church, bless this family. Uh, Continue to let them grow and prosper, Lord, in knowledge of you and love for each other. Um, And I don't know what else to say, God, but just ask that you would bless them and and, uh, pour out your spirit here. In Jesus' name.